Hey guys, what's going on? Hey. Hey. Oh guys. <laughs> it's Derek. Hey. <laughs> that was no. I'm Derek. Hey. Hi, yeah, Derek. You're not Derek. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm here with Nick. Hey. And Lizzie. Hey yo. And uh, happy New Year. Happy yeah. New Year. Yeah. Shoot the fireworks. Bang. <laughs> so. Yeah, we were we were previously talking about how late people shoot off the fireworks on holidays. I don't know. Is it everywhere? That's a great question. As I, I as not not where I no. grew up. I guess, well, well I say New Year's is a big thing down here, but most other places it's not necessarily. I feel it's like it's New cold, Year's was bigger than Christmas, though. Other places, as far as like. Any kind of that sort of thing. I mean, I mean obviously, New Year's, July is going to be you huge go out no back, you. you shoot off a couple rounds of your rifle into the ground from your deck, and then that's kind of what you do. So, mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if it's just like rope. there's so many different cultures in Southwest Florida that like all of that becomes like a melting pot of all these different traditions and things that happen. And like, so then we get fireworks on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. New, yeah, that was a, that was a other, another cultural thing when we moved here was like Christmas Day was not for fireworks either where I'm from. Yeah. Though like these are two Christmas Eve when the, is when like and it wasn't when I was like growing up here. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. The it was a surprise to me the first time when we moved here, you know, 4 years ago and we start seeing fireworks stands go up before Christmas and I was like, what is this all about? And then you could hear the fireworks all night. And then, like, then New Year's was just nuts. Yeah. Nuts. I think it's just Christmas, New Year's, and the 4th of July, right? Yeah. Down here, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I know that I was telling telling these guys before um, we started recording, like, in Honduras, they were shooting off fireworks when, when I was there. And it was like, not even Halloween yet. It was in October, and and we, I had I had the the pastor ask a little boy who was buying fireworks why they were shooting off fireworks, and he goes, "Eh, it's close enough to Christmas." So uh, I just think maybe maybe it's with all the Hispanic cultures they mm-hmm. they just shoot off fireworks whenever they get the chance. I, well, I don't and know. I know a lot of them open their presents on Christmas Eve. Mm. So that might be part of it too. Is like that Christmas Eve they're opening the presents and then they go outside and maybe shoot fireworks off. When I was at the other church uh, in Central Florida, there's a they have a Spanish church as well, and the pastor there said, I guess in their culture, I don't I don't know which which particular like Hispanic culture it was specific. I think it's Puerto Rican. Um, I don't know, but he said on Christmas Eve, what would happen is people would go would go out to their friends and family's houses and you'd go and you'd start, you'd sing Christmas carols. You'd go like Christmas caroling. And then they, the culture said like you let those people in and then you would feed them as well. And then you'd all get together and you'd go to someone else's house and you'd do the same thing. And you'd do that all night on Christmas night. So. So you'd want to be one of the first houses. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That That's was intense. One, of, one of the things that, that he said they did. There was a name for it. I can't remember the name for it, but he's like, hmm. yeah. And he, he was complaining about it because it was like, yeah, there were people at my house till 11 o'clock, and then they wanted me to go with them. And I was like, I'm too old for this. I can't go. So <laughs> that's funny. 
So today we're going to talk about uh, New Year, new things, um, resolutions, you know, and why why don't we keep them? Uh, so we'll see where the conversation goes, and welcome to the Truth Response. for us because we need it after that intro (laughs) see lord thank you for this new year um just to to see where you're going to lead us uh and just help us to be willing to to listen and to follow um and to not just push uh, what we want into this year but um to follow the path that you have uh put before us in jesus name pray Amen. amen So yeah, anybody have New Year's, New Year's resolutions? They're not resolutions. It's a plan. I should have done that. I had a New Year's re- resolution, which is kicking off tomorrow. I'm actually going to do it. What are you doing? All my New Year's resolution to, was to do was to start walking again. All right, you heard so it I here. I can succeed as long as I do it tomorrow. In three months, I we better get some emails and text messages and Facebook and Instagram posts saying, hey, Derek, you still walking? Uh, my resolution wasn't to continue to walk, just to start it up again. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Which should be... Encouragement. Yeah. Right. I got you. And accountability. Encouragement and accountability. Encouragement and accountability. Yes. Definitely need some more of that in my life. Yes. What, what, what's your New Year's plan? Well, number one is get on, like create a budget. To actually go through a budget worksheet, create a budget, and actually stick to it. Because we have this loose thing where it's like, you know, I know how much money we tend to have. And then every once in a while there's like some surprises, which is good and bad. I think probably bad for Casey because every time she spends money on the debit card, I get an alert. And I think the same thing happens to her too just because of the way our, our mm-hmm. banking is. Um, so when they see like all these things, it's like, oh, okay, well, because she spent that there means we can't do this thing. And it's like, nah, I'm sick of that because I feel like our money has been controlling us and now it's time for us to control it. We should have more of it than we seem to. So, man, I don't know if it's just, I don't know. Uh, It's gotta be a God thing as far as our money is concerned. Uh, I don't know. We just kind of have a. A threshold we've got a, like a certain threshold we don't want our money to be below and whenever it goes below it we tend to stop spending money usually that works throughout all of the year except for like november december so it's not a bad idea to do a budget but we don't we've never worked off of a budget ever yeah i feel like it's the only thing that's gonna work like I, there is it, it makes it's there for a reason so we we just got to get to that place of doing it. So that is that is like the biggest thing that I want to accomplish immediately in January. And then I want to read, continue reading. Obviously, I have exercise thing that happens now. And, um, I was listening to a podcast just the other day uh, about like leaving legacy in your family and what that looks like. 
and how to do that. And there's some things that I agreed with and some things that I didn't necessarily agree with. One of the guys was all about like homesteading. So you should have a giant plot of land that you have a home on and, you know, you kind of back to like early first century kind of mentality where it was like you grow your own food and all that. Stuff. Yeah. Like you were preparing. Well, and when it talks about like that time of betrothal, um, you usually the guy was preparing a place by building a place off of his father's home, which would be their home, the home for him and his wife. So uh, he talked a lot about, you know, this is this is the way the world used to work and it doesn't work that way. Everybody's scattered and how family should be important and all those kind of things. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But I think there's something also to be said for us wanderers who are called different places at different times. Um, and I don't I don't want my kids to feel confined to a place like mm-hmm. you talked about. Mm-hmm. Talked about, yeah, we get to go out and sit under the trees that my great great grandfather planted. I was like, OK, that's a fun story to tell. But I'm I don't know. I'm I'm not into that. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's cool. But. Yeah. That doesn't get me fired up, you know? Yeah. Uh, but regardless and all that, he talked about, like, you know, you should really kind of work to have have a vision and mission and values for your family that you have it at, you have it in a, a place of business for a reason. Why don't we have those things in our family as well and kind of things to go back to then it, when challenges arise or... You're trying to make hard decisions like what do, what do we go back to because wh- who are we and what's our identity? And I was like, you know, that's a really great thing that I've, you know, I've been thinking a lot about vision, mission and values at the church. And then it makes me think, well, yeah, why don't I have why don't we have vision, mission and values in our home as well? I think that could provide some great trajectory for our family. And specifically, you know, I've got teenage girls and then a three year old boy. It's like, well, maybe we're too late on the, the teenage girls. We might have missed that boat in making them successful and good. Um, no, they're they're good. Um, but uh, but it's like this is the time. Like, let's do this thing now and lay lay an even firmer foundation and groundwork for them to to know when they're in a situation outside of our home. Like, oh no, that's not who I am. This is who I am, and something that they can hold on to. Mm-hmm. So it made me think about that. Like, and I, I feel like, oh, this could be a really good place. I know it's not going to be a, a quick process, a fast process to do that, but start right. working on that early on in the year and then maybe mid-year where it's, it's like, okay, we've got these things that this is who we are. We're These are our values that we are going to hold on to. This is what we're working toward. This is our mission. And, you know, here here's our, our vision for who who we want to be individually and then who we want to be as a family. Sweet. Yeah. So it seems like tangible goals too. Yeah. It's not, it's it's not not too outrageous. It just, it's, it's the, it's the, it requires hard work and it requires discipline. Just like most new year's resolutions do. They require some form of, of discipline and looking at a, uh, an email came in today just talking about like what most people of different ages are make for their New Year's resolution. And the first first one was all about money. It was all about I want to save more money. Um, and then, you know, health and fitness is one of those like next top tier things. Yeah. And Everybody's it, like, I'm going to lose all the weight yeah. in the first two weeks. Yeah. 
And it seems like every all of the like the upper echelons of of the age groups that that saw those things as important were all young. It was all the 18 to 29s that were like, you know, 40 percent of 18 to 29s had a a financial goal of some sort of spending Mm -hmm. less money and saving more. And it was like 10 percent of 65 and overs, which I can make sense. Like you're old at that point. You've done your thing. You've sowed your seeds. Money's, yeah, well, a money's lot of, probably not as important. A lot of the people at that age, too, like... Fixed income. Yeah. Well, that or they've done the saving of the money, yeah. you know? They're on the mm-hmm. back end of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then um, same thing with with even health and fitness. Like, the next thing... Oh, so being happy was the next most prominent. All, all U.S. adults... The majority of U.S. adults. So um, this one I found intriguing, though, was that for young people, and this is one of the lowest for older people, was improving mental health. Almost 40% of young people, this is second only saving more money, almost 40% of young people said they want to improve their mental health, whereas... About six percent of older people said they want to improve their mental health. I I I wonder too how much that is just the new generation and their oh. heightened sense of like emotionalness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like Whereas we, like the sixty five and older like you have a problem you don't talk about it. <laughs> when we were growing up, we didn't go oh what was me i mean there was the whole like you know you have drama right but like that stuff got you beat up Mm -hmm. (laughs) right you suck it up we were raised by the stick it to the mans you know Mm -hmm. like i don't know Mm -hmm. i feel like yeah as millennials uh, that's i don't know we weren't all like i'm offended oh depression's gonna overtake me oh you know like i don't know Hmm. i mean depression was a thing but like we kind of sucked it up and dealt with it Mm -hmm. you know or sucked it up and didn't deal with it as some people would say but like we learned to live with it Mm -hmm. versus you know letting it control us right yeah, I think that's a that's a great way to to look at that. And look, I don't want to downplay mental health in sure. any in no, any way no, no, because no. you know there there is obviously something substantial mm. because depression and anxiety at all are are at all time highs. So there is something that undergirds all of it. I mean, and I think it's hard to put your finger on what that thing is. Social and media. It's, not, it's not just one thing. It's several. It's several yeah. things. Yeah. It's not yeah. just social media. Social media is several things. You've got Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Well, okay, so look at all that, right? So so social media wasn't a thing in the way that it operates now. Right. So 20 years ago when we were teenagers. When we were in high school, right. social media was literally what we still look at it as or it's still marketed as. Right. Is a way to keep in contact with your friends, yeah. uh, to have your own little page that you post on. Like that was it. Yeah, that's what it was. Or to find cool bands, as MySpace was. You know, yeah. like that was it. And that was it. That was what we had at right. that point too, which was MySpace. And I, I, I never had a MySpace. So, 
uh, I think a part of that is a product of where I grew up too. But so like, yeah, social media is one big key factor. I think the other thing that the two other things that contribute to this also, I would say the other one is there are far more single parents and blended yeah. families mm-hmm. now than there were two decades ago. And that's that statistic certainly is true when you span the generational gap too. You go back to Xers and before that boomers, like divorce was very passe. You didn't do that. Right. Um, and then X seemed to be the generation that broke that, which was like, I'm not going to be in a, you know, whatever, loveless marriage or whatever. And I want, I want mine. Right. And then that seems to be where the, the tide turned a little bit. And they're, the millennials come from probably that first generation of, of maybe me centric people um, that were more concerned with just their own, their own happiness, as opposed to the sacrifice and covenant that comes along with marriage. Yeah, and by no means is that every <laughs> Gen X or, or no, no. millennial or whatever. We're not we're not talking, you know, uh absolutes by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but we do see a general trend mm-hmm. in that direction and and that's why I do bring up social media because even the the tech giants, the people that are leading um the way for um for like AI and stuff like that have said, Hey, social media has caused an, an astronomical, um, spike in depression and, uh, just the emotional degradation of, of society. Mm -hmm. Like we've, it has made a major impact that for some reason, the people who have created it have deemed it acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that it was a possibility whenever they started creating it, um, but they just they they didn't focus on that as the as the thing that they were looking at is what would what would it do to society as a whole. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, um, but more as a um, you know what what kind of marketing strategies can we do? What kind of a you know, how can we build this thing, mm-hmm. you know, gain attention spans, you know, help uh, help market things, too. Like, I mean, because that's also something that's it's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Like helping other companies um, reach the people that want to utilize their products. Um, but they they did neglect the overall what what's it going to do to society mm-hmm. in in the negative and the negative side of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know we've had this debate in the past and you know, you you see all of the negatives about it and I I see somewhere in the middle of that because I understand the the addictive qualities that it offers. Um, but I also understand some of the good that comes from it. Like it's it's I I think about it often and I think through, you know, should I pull the plug on it? Um, and I know that there are studies that show you get away from social media and there is a, a happiness quotient that's attached to it uh, and a satisfaction quotient that's attached to it. And I think like, man, you know, it's, it's awesome because I connect and follow so many different ministries and groups and, you know, pastoral encouragement things. Like, I feel like, man, I would miss out on some of those really great things. There are a lot of pastors that I like that 
I'd maybe consider my pastor, you know, even if I don't know them and they don't know me, but it's like, man, I, I really love their, their preaching, their teaching, the content that they have to offer, the way that they approach the Bible. And I look at it as I'd miss out on some of those things mm-hmm. if I pulled the plug on it. Yeah. And like just this week, this last week, um, one of my friends, her husband hurt really bad and hospitalized, going to be in the hospital for a really long time. And I keep looking on her Facebook for updates and stuff like that. There's over 200 comments. Wow. 200. So like somewhere near 200 people have commented on that to encourage her, to reach out to her. There's people that are like, hey, if you want to, this is where you can go if you want to drop off gift cards. Like mm. she has this whole tribe of people that's doing stuff for her that she didn't even really necessarily know about. Mm. Um, and that probably would have happened without social media. Not, I don't know. But if it, it would wouldn't have, been have that, happened to the extent. If, yeah, to the yeah. extent. Well, and I'm not, I am not going to, I don't believe that there's no good that can come of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm saying that the the people who are not just leading the forefront of technology, but creating it, like they're not just like leading the use, they are actually developing it, are saying social media is bad. And, and at least bad on society in the direction that it is currently going, mm-hmm. um, and it can it could all be it could all be adjusted. That all those algorithms could be adjusted to make things a little less bad on society as a whole to correct the problem. Um, we don't need those crazy algorithms that make us scroll forever, the doom scrolling, mm-hmm. um, in order to have those things like what she's talking about happening, um, happen. Like the good things, we don't need those, the bad things in order to to achieve those good things mm-hmm. in the midst of it. So that's all I'm saying is like, it's it's something that has recently come up that I've been hearing a lot of talk on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that that just, when we have a generation of kids, young people, not just kids, um, but young people that have been raised on social media, that's a whole nother ball game. We, as millennials and older, who have been raised without social media and started, you know, later with social media, like we can see when to use and when not to. They're inundated with it, so I, I, I can one hundred percent see the, the, uh, the reason why they're like, oh, m- emotional mental health you know it needs to be the needs to be a top priority Uh, that's because we've we've sucked their brain stunted them if you will one of the things that i found intriguing on this too was um you know one of the things on here was focusing on spiritual matters and that is among the lowest of concerns or resolutions or changes that somebody wants to make that's that hovers around the 10 percent mark for for all of the above for both the 65 plusers the 18 to 29s and the all u.s adults um so it's that is the lowest category for anyone 18 to 29 yeah yep it's the second lowest overall um and it's it's not the lowest. It's probably top three, top four for those 65 plus. So it shows you a little bit of that generational shift too, where 
you've got a you've got a generation now that knows they're they're nearing the end of the book <laughs> and for them it's wow what's beyond this i need to look i need to understand more of that i want to i want to adventure adventure more into that granted this isn't specific to a christian faith this could be any faith but i i, I wonder i wonder in terms of that like hmm, is there some correlation there to because that was even higher for 65 plusers than I want to be happy. Oh, no, it wasn't. It's close. Um, oh, no, no, it is above happy. So it makes you wonder is there some correlation to that? Like, hmm. I. I endeavor to see beyond the here and now and my life that I have. And it's brought me joy. And I and desire to see more of that because I know that it will increase my happiness. So just, I don't know, one of those things to think through. Because, okay, so we talked about some of the big the big generational changes. So you talk about, um, you know, divorce, blended families, single families, yeah. the rise of that that's happened. Social media obviously plays a big factor in all of those kind of things. And then we also see that this is the most biblically illiterate generation in the history of the world um, and the least churched. And also the this generation is the least interested in church or spiritual matters as well, at least in America. Um, hmm. So you start to see those, all of those things come into play, that there are more there are more there are more nuns n o n e s s not n u n s there are more nuns in this generation in z and alpha than there are in any other generation like no no church affiliation no religious affiliation and that's a greater number than there has been in any other prior generation in american history okay percentages mm -hmm. is, that, is that what we're yeah. talking percentages yep. okay um yeah i mean i can see that and and we've talked on here before about how it's because genuineness is what they crave mm -hmm. and the church isn't giving it to them mm -hmm. because we've been playing church for the better part of a century or more you know, like as the American church, we've been playing church. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just, it's a game. Yeah. It's so, a show. Uh, interesting thing in my life. So teenage girls at home, um, you guys heard this one on Sunday. But uh, so our, our oldest teenage daughter, 17, like there's boys in the world now. Uh, um, so... <laughs> How do you really feel about that? Yeah, so there's there's been this boy who's been, you know, as the youngins say, trying to riz her up. Um, like, you know, I don't really know what that means, but that's what the young people say. Uh, <laughs> no, that's the word of the year last year. Did you know that? Riz. 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 Word of the year 2023. I never heard it until yeah. you said it on Sunday. Yeah. It's, it's this, like, charisma, like, you know... Getting, trying to get with somebody, like you riz them up, is what it is. Right. So, I, don't know, okay. I, st I still didn't hear it. I mean, until then, I was yeah. like, regardless. So, um, 
he's been like making a genuine effort to kind of get involved with her asked her out a few times and some things and we've we've drawn some lines and we've had a lot of discussions about what it means to to date somebody and what you should look for in a, you know somebody that you're going to spend that kind of time with and and everything and um you know seemed to be a good kid like good head on his shoulders he's part of this you know collegiate program that that brooks a part of too and uh, he's got a job got a car like he's got a family um so you know it seemed pretty respectable first time i met him he got up and shook my hand um you know he made it a point next time i saw him to like actually walk across the rest of the room to come and to to greet casey and i and to say hey how are you and shake my hand again and so it's like all right there's something here um but for brooke one thing that was super important to her was i i want i'm not going to date somebody that is not interested in in church in faith in jesus and so she had that conversation with him the other day and he said hmm nah not interested in that and to like i think everybody's surprised she was like okay well then this is there's, there's no out of the friend zone at this point like this this is where this stays yeah, and I was like, whoa, like that is awesome. Um, so uh, I think about that, and I think through, like, man, when I was a teenage boy, I went to church <laughs> because of the girl. <laughs> and it was a Mormon church at that time, too. And it was like, I don't know, I'll get down with this thing. Like, well, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. And, and it was like even, like, when Casey and I got together and you're know, in the process of, like, engaged and she's like hey i think we should go to church and i was kind of feeling the same thing too um you know i went to church with her you know because of her um and so it made me think like wow that's a really incredible statement that that it was a flat out no and not even a i'll come check it out once Mm. like it wasn't even that and he's actually been in this building a few times and as like you know, kind of seen the dynamic of it. Like we're we're not stodgy old. All right. You know, yeah. like it's not that kind of thing. Um, so I, I found that really intriguing that he was at that place where he wasn't even curious. Like, let me see what this thing is all about. Um. Mm. And she had an in, uh, another conversation with somebody else that wasn't quite as into her or she wasn't as into him. Um, and same thing came out of that was like, nah, I'm, I'm not interested in going going to church with you. So she's she's the PK kid that goes around and invites everybody to church. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Which we had a ton of kids show up at her birthday at the church, to yeah. the church, yeah. you know, coming to the church. Yeah. Which was pretty incredible. Yeah. So I just I thought all of those things were were really interesting. Like looking at that, looking at this some of this uh, this study that was released through this email that I got, and um, like man, the commentary for a new year and new beginnings and and hope that we all everybody walks into a new year with hope mm. that this year is going to be better than the last one. I, I I think at least like I've never walked into a new year and thought this is going to be a dumpster fire. 
I I actually walked into this year thinking it was going to be a dumpster fire, oh. and this is why. I, I not I mean because like, you're a pessimist, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I, I it's it's an election year. Yeah, we don't have good options. Like <laughs> it's it's really just. I mean, there's already the, two wars going on in the world. Right. It, it's it's a mess of a year, and and honestly, and and it's not something for me to worry about because that's a ways down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same time, it's like, man, I'm not so sure this year is going to be a great year. Like, it's it's going to be rough. And and honestly, it has started way better than than I expected. Um, I mean, you're so, only three days in at this point. I know, but but I've had you were talking <laughs> earlier. You were talking early earlier about um, you know spirituality being low on on mm-hmm. the list of things, and I. I was talking to somebody from our church today and they were like, Hey, I'm trying this whole fasting thing, you know? And I was like, awesome. And they were like, well, not from water. And I was like, okay, well that's the normal way to do it is to not fast from water, but you know, you know, the food and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying that out. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. And I was like, that's awesome. You know? So I don't know if it's a new year's resolution or what, but like, there's just been some really cool things. I had a homeless guy um, say he was just offered a job. He just got a job cool. working with uh, a handyman from, like, the connection was, uh, he called him the preacher man that um, on the property in which he stays on um, is a church. And the, the pastor there, he was talking to him and was like, hey, don't you need a job? This guy right here, this handyman is looking to to hire somebody for help, you know? And so like his whole attitude went from being like, man, I'm just, it can't get any worse than, than what it is. Uh, can't catch a break. You know, he's tried to get jobs and the bosses have flaked. Um, and so like now he's like peppier, Hmm. you know, like he's all, you know, like, I'm going to get my bike redone, you know, and, you know, he's just, I don't know. It's been all of the things that I've interacted with mm-hmm. um, have just been way more positive to begin the year than what I was expecting the whole year to be, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. be encouraged by that. All right. You know. That's good. It's a good word. It's good news. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we all. Okay, so most of us walk into the new year with high hopes <laughs> that it's going to be and better. Is, and this has got to be the first year that it's been that way. Like, normally it's like, ah, oh, it's got to be, yeah. you know, this is <laughs> next year's got to be better than last year. But yeah. this year's like that tension of 2020 all over again, mm. you know? Because, I mean, same people are running for president, mm. right? Um, and 2020 was pretty rough. I mean, we had the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. So and it started in March. So that was most of the year. So visit, check it, check back with us in March to see how this <laughs> thing's still going. <laughs> yeah. Invite your friends in March whenever the whole country shut down again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope not. But I, I don't know. It, it was just one of those things. It's like it was a weird, just a weird dynamic mm. going into this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I'm look. I'm a realist too. I understand. Election year, this is going to be one of the most intense election seasons, at least in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, if not in the history of elections 
I don't know. Like I, I wasn't here for all of them. Um, but yeah, this is going to be another one of those backbiting, politically divisive, like mudslinging, no holds barred. It's going to be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit as to why this person shouldn't run, how this person is incompetent. And, you know, all of those kind of things are, are about to happen and about to go down. Um, so like I'm, I'm real with that. And then it's not only is it presidential, but then it's all of the other, you know, Congress and Senate and uh, all those races that happen as well, local governors and commissioners and all those kind of things locally. So yeah, that, that, that part sucks. Yeah. And we're braced, I think for that. And again, there's two wars that are happening in our world right now, which sucks as well. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just an, a perennial optimist and I just feel like something awesome is going to happen this year. I don't know what. Well, I mean, I, I'm I think, hopeful. I think so. Something yeah. awesome is going to happen. Yeah. See, my outlook is something awesome is going to happen despite everything else. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's always not the way necessarily, God works. Not necessarily that everything's going to be awesome, but like, despite the devil's best effort to, to not have it be awesome, Something awesome is going to come up. And I feel I feel like that's what All God's right. showing me through these several things. I know it's just day three, right? Like, yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what God's showing me is like, okay, that's not the focus of this year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a whole lot more yeah. going on I, than those things, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like, at least, like you said, we're only three days in. What God's telling me, showing me is, like, prayer is way more important mm-hmm. than than what I even expected and like I just have so many people in my lives that are going through things sicknesses surgeries like whatever and like I found myself in prayer a lot more Hmm. um at the end of last year and then of course like I said three days in so Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's like okay like God's preparing me for something because that's kind of been slow like a slow build up and now it's just like you know I'm really usually really bad at remembering like Oh, like I, I used to be really bad at remembering. Oh, I should pray for this point. Oh, I should, I should follow up and see how things are, you know. And so far, I've done a lot better at it. And it's just like, oh, hey, like, what is God trying? You know, what is this going to lead to in the end? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know. But it should be, I don't know. It's interesting, at least for me. Because, like, you don't think about how much prayer matters. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's a good point. I had some of those revelations at back end of 23. It was like, like feeling, I don't know, feeling like God didn't care to hear anymore. Mm-hmm. And then also feeling like, well, is this prayer going to do any good anyway? Like, I don't know. I, I just, I just been, I was in that rut for a little while. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. Something changed. Lord, Lord ignited some part of me that was was burning out and it's like dude prayer works like pray more pray better so I think that is that is should be a big theme for all of us in this new year especially knowing all the stuff that's coming our way and it's and it's not just going to be like three months of it like Elections are in November. And we get an extra day this year. (laughs) There you go. That's one extra day of crazy that's going to happen. So, yeah. And you're right. Prayer should be a major focal point Mm -hmm. of of how we approach approach each day and approach each event Mm -hmm. and everything. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of social media, um, so I was scrolling through social media on New Year's Eve, um, and there's a, a pastor out in Texas that I follow, uh, and they, his church was just doing a prayer meeting on New Year's Eve, and I was like, whoa, why did why did we not think of that? Like, it, it wasn't like everybody from the church came, but he was like, we have a small group of people. We're just getting together. We're singing some songs. We're going to hang out. We're going to celebrate the new year, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray this new year in. And I was like, dude, that's what should happen. That's how we should be responding as the church. Hmm. Not just sitting in our houses or sleeping, you know, snoring at 1130. Um, that was good. Yelling at the fireworks to stop. Um, but we should be bold in our prayers and in those moments and places and spaces and times that the rest of the world is doing their thing, right? Like New Year's Eve, one of the biggest party nights that there is, you know, people are out the bars getting drunk, like, you know, crazy's happening and, you know, we're in bed by 1205. Where's, mm. where's our zeal? for the Lord. I don't know. I think there's more and better to do. Yeah. So a follow-up question to the whole New Year's resolution thing. Why do we fizzle out so easy? I mean, you, you talked about discipline. Um, why is discipline so hard for us? I think mostly people people either set super ambiguous goals or super lofty goals that they're never going to be able to meet mm. like or unattainable goals mm -hmm. i guess it's more and so like it's and then it's like when you don't do that or you don't you know you do that it's like it's easier than to be like okay well i didn't do it today so i don't need to do it tomorrow mm -hmm. you know it's easy to fall off that stuff and or they're not like they don't set up almost like mini goals like mm -hmm. to see like, OK, this is how far I've come. Like right. I may not have lost 40 pounds, but, you know, I lost five in like two months. Like that's still something to celebrate, like right. um, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, people are really bad at <sighs> just like I said, setting smaller goals like, yeah, it's good to have this big goal but you don't know like the 50 steps you have to go through to get to that yeah. to that goal. What what's interesting, I'm looking at Forbes right now and they they have a poll like a not a poll, well, statistics on percentages of people that how long they last, mm -hmm. you know. And it's broken down by number of months. And uh the majority of people make it 2 to 3 months hmm. with their stuff, about 44ish percent. That seems surprising to me. Yeah that you can make it that far and then not keep going. Right. Well, if I've done something for three months consistently, it's probably a part of my routine at that point. Yeah. But then at the same time, like we get, we get to about that, that time and events or something happens and you know, Fair. and we, I go away on vacation. I stop walking. I, I don't know. Or on, it wasn't vacation. I went to Honduras and stopped walking, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, it was a part of my every every other day routine, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what really surprises me, though, is that 6% stick with it. Wow. Hmm. 
That's higher than I was expecting it to be. Hmm. 6% of people stick with whatever, stick, you know, they stick it out. Hmm. So. Well, I preached this week from the book of Haggai, which some of you are like, that doesn't even sound like that should be something in the Bible. Um, but it was at that place in time where there was, there was transition and change and challenge that was coming to the people of God. And there were two big factors that led them away from their mission. I mean, this was this was now post-exile. So Northern Kingdom long, long since fell. Southern Kingdom remained. They continued to abandon God. God brought his judgment. Babylonians came in. Nebuchadnezzar sacked, destroyed Jerusalem. They got carried away into Babylon for 70 years. God even said that. You're going to be gone for 70 years, but there's going to be a remnant that remains. And so I want you to... I want you to have kids. I want you to get married. I want you to take jobs. I want you to live life and live it to my glory despite your circumstances. And then the opportunity came as Cyrus, uh, the Persian king, came and, and took over the Babylonian Empire. And he allowed the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem with the intention of rebuilding the temple. So that was that was it. Go back, rebuild the temple. And there was this this band, this group of Israelites that was zealous to do it. Like they were, they were enthusiastic and excited mm-hmm. to make this thing happen. And then you fast forward 20 years and they've made no progress on the temple. <laughs> yeah. None. Which is why God's like, yo, Haggai, this is your turn, man. Like they're not going to forget you because that's a name you can't forget. So I'm going to yeah. send you down there. I'm going to give you a word that it's time. It's time to figure this thing out. And God didn't give the hellfire and brimstone speech to him. He let them know there was there's judgment that comes for disobedience, but he gave the like fourth quarter down by 10 speech. Like he gave the be strong and courageous back to that call that he gave to Joshua, Joshua. when they first came into the, the land. He reminded them that he's with them, that they that they can overcome any obstacle and um, and that if he's with them, nothing can stand against them. But in those 20 years, what happened? Because that's a lot of our lives is those 20 years happened in those three months. Like, what are the things that came in? Well, the first thing that crept in was discouragement. They were discouraged by other people around them who had it made it their mission. And it was their desire to not see that temple get restored and rebuilt, to yeah. keep those people in that that waiting and holding pattern. And and they did whatever they could to bring discouragement, whether whether it was threat of physical violence or, um, you know, trying to, to steal and destroy what the people were doing. But there was this, this true experience of discouragement that came in. And, you know, that's the, that's the place that we, we, we run into. And I think that's what happens in month three is we've heard all of the voices at that point that have said, you won't, you can't, you shouldn't stop. And we just get to that place where it breaks us down and we say, I can't, I shouldn't, I'll stop. Like, I'm, I'm done with this thing. And we fall back into those same negative cycles that we were trying to escape ultimately. And so... Um, you know, it's it's exciting to make resolutions. It's exciting to have that hope and that promise of the something new that's coming. But we're not willing to take to take it brick by brick. 
That's what the Israelites were. You were going to have to go brick by brick. First, you were going to have to clear the foundation of all the rubble and ruin that remained. And then you were going to have to go back in brick by brick and reestablish and rebuild one of one of the most incredible buildings that would have been constructed in the ancient world. I mean, everything gold, and fine linen. I mean, just immaculate when you think about what it is. And they just got so discouraged by the fact of, oh, we can't do this anymore. And the voices around them kept them in that place of idle, of mm. neutral. And that becomes one of our major downfalls, too, is we listen to those voices around us. And a lot of times they come in the form of the people we love the most that say, nah, you're stupid for doing that. Like, why, why would you want to go and why, why would you want to go and, you know, get a further your education? Like, you know, I, I heard some of those kind of things. Why, why would you want to leave your your home that you lived in for, you know, a decade and all the family that were around you and take your two kids and your wife and go to Bible college when you're 30. Yeah. Like that's stupid. Do you, what's your plan? I'm going to follow the Lord. <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> like I'm going to trust that he's going to work this thing out. Yeah. And he did. So. Yeah. But as for me in my house. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there, yeah. there, you know, there's that part too, but I, I would say that yeah. that part of discouragement and, if we want to well, think it, discouragement too, like I feel because I mean, I was discouraged a lot when I went into you when I changed my major to youth ministry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was told that I wasn't going to succeed because I was female and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it depends on what you do with that discouragement, whether yeah. you turn it into fuel to motivate you and to prove people wrong. Because like I applied to literally like right out of Bible college, like this was probably the dumbest thing I've done. Um Applied for over 100 churches, pretty much one in every state, heard back from three, and was immediately rejected from two of them because I was not a male. Hmm. What did they think you were based on the name? It was not necessary. No. So it it wasn't like laid out in like their job description stuff that it had to be. It was important. Slightly, some of them were slightly implied. Okay, and I, you know, was he like, should be. It said words like that. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but um, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna send it anyways. I yeah. mean, I'm I'm including like Hawaii and Alaska. I did apply for jobs there, um, but somebody was like, how can you just apply for those? Like, and I'm like, I don't know where God wants me, where mm-hmm. what He wants me to do, but I know He wants me to do this. Mm-hmm. So wherever he's going to lead. And um, actually one of my mentors uh, that had been in youth ministry before was like when I got a job offer and ended up moving to Kansas and stuff, he's like, it's almost easier. And I said, what do you mean it's almost easier? He's like, God let played, played a very clear path. Like mm. it wasn't like a competition between am I going here or going here? Mm. And like you didn't have to do that. And I was like, huh, I never thought about that. Mm. Like having to make that decision too, and be mm-hmm. like, okay, what you know? But I was like, I mean, my own grandfather told me I wouldn't succeed, hmm. and that I'd never get a job. Yeah. So. Yeah, I get that. I mean. When I uh, when I first started 
working for Verizon. I was 19. But I think he might have done it because he knew I was stubborn enough to yeah. try and prove him wrong. Well, I think that's what it is a lot of times. <laughs> it's that, that stubbornness because 19 years old, I was sitting you, in... You can't tell me I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was in training with uh, people that were three, four, five, at least, if not more years older than I was at that point. I'm, I'm a kid. And... You know, one of the one of the guys found out I was 19 and he looked at me and he's like, you're 19. I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to be in sales. He's like, he's like, dude, you're not going to make it six months. I was like, OK. <laughs> and I was there for 11 years. <laughs> right. Like so. And I worked my way up through leadership there as well. So it's like what we do with it. And so it makes me think on the back end of this, if we are in the midst of a generation and a culture that is having a mental health crisis and is dealing overtly and just continues to run headlong into into struggles with depression and anxiety i think when you run into those things you lose your 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 will that steadfast nature inside of you to mm-hmm. to endure hard things and i don't know where that comes back from mm-hmm. i mean yeah uh, when I was a kid, I, like I, I think part struggled of it is, with that, but is like the shift that I've seen in like the mental health stuff is like I need to be working on this to it's everybody else's fault. Mm. Like mm. you've done this to me, right? Like because you A B C D, and like I've seen people that you know have had similar situations. Like this is what happened in their lives, and they've turned out complete opposite directions mm-hmm. in the way that they chose their life. Yeah. And in the end, like, that, that ownership of, like, what am I going to do about it? If you need to cut those people out of your life, okay, then cut those people out of your life if they're, mm-hmm. you know, causing that problem or whatever. Um, but blaming them for your rest of your life does not solve that problem either. Right. Um, it's taking ownership of your emotion and who you are and being like, I'm not going to let this become part of who I am like not a part of who I am but a defining characteristic of me is that this happened to me yeah I I I would say embedded in a lot of this too is going to be faith I mean that's what drove you in the time when things got hard I I know that's what drove me when when life got really hard in my you know early 30s with two kids and a wife like it, it was trusting that God has a bigger plan than I do and knowing that he's far more capable than I am. And even in the midst of the discouragement, it, it's not allowing that to be the thing that destroys the focus. So discouragement is one of those things that's bound to creep in. Anytime yeah. you, you desire to make a big change in your life, look out for discouragement because it's going to be creeping around. That 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 is the voice of the enemy is it. It is discouragement, and it comes through tones of discouragement. So the other piece of that that we find is just distraction. And that was one of the, the big things that Haggai was speaking against was you all, y'all have gotten so enamored with your own stuff that you've missed the more important thing in life. So when he talks about you, you're building walls with paneled walls, you're building homes with paneled walls. I mean, that's that's ref- that's finish work. Like that is 
that is like borderline bougie in the in the in the first century and or no this is way back this is 400 bc so in the fifth century bc so um so it, you've gotten so invested in all of the fine things, the, the things, comfort. the comforts of life that you've missed the calling in life, right? The comfort and calling are often two very different things in life. Um, so you've just gotten so distracted by the shiny things that you you've allowed the important things to slip through the cracks. And um, I I think this that Haggai this this message and this this point in place and time is a real uh, real commentary on the human heart one we get discouraged and we we stop right two we get distracted and we stop the bigger bigger thing and so what the enemy can't discourage us from he'll distract us from and the other d word in all of that is the discipline that God calls us to is that when we are disciplined and have a disciplined focus on him through prayer, through study, through finding the right people and community of believers, of real faith believers that are willing to come around us and meet us in those hard times, uh, that's that's the thing that we're called to. Uh, Deuteronomy, man. It's a, just a, a throwback to... Um, you know, when Moses was leading the peeps. Um, Deuteronomy 31.8, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you, and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. Like, that's the same God that, that we're talking about serving today, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. It's a It's crazy to think that, you know, God's willing to walk walk our resolutions with us, you know, walk our our life with us and despise sometimes despite our best uh, efforts to run in the opposite direction. Right. The amazing piece of that is, is, I mean, man, let's think about, let's go one last time to, to Haggai and that situation that they're in, is once we clear the foundation, right, all the things that are warring to, to kind of cover over the most important piece, Jesus is the bedrock. Once we clear the foundation and remove all those distractions and we see how plumb and perfect and level and square that it is, like, at that point, it, it almost becomes easy. Hmm. Like, there's a hard piece, but that faith foundation of Jesus is the thing that is going to drive every other area of our lives. When we get our when we get our focus right on Christ, our health becomes a little bit easier to manage. Our finances become a little bit easier to manage. Our work becomes a little bit easier to manage. Like everything else becomes easier. All of these other things that people are making resolutions around, which typically are health and money. Yeah. 
um, so so fitness and finance um, are all the only way to truly find real discipline in it all and meaning in it is when your faith is right. That's the bedrock of everything. Otherwise, what are you doing it for? You're building paneled homes that somebody else is going to kick you out of or destroy or tear down when you're missing out on the the real foundational piece of what's holding everything together. And that's all Jesus. Well, in this new year, as we've talked about, let's let's do some focusing on prayer. Um, let's make some some prayer goals. Let's let's make this prayer thing a, a priority um, as a whole as believers. As if if you're not a believer and you're listening to us, uh, welcome. Thanks for for tuning in. Um, but I, I challenge you to reach out, pray, try it once or twice. Um, I mean, you never know. You never know what's going to happen and what's going to change the, the course of your life and uh, how that'll impact people around you. So uh, try something new. Try something new this year. Um, pray a little more. Not drugs, guys. <laughs> Not drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> drugs are bad. Okay. Uh, so, thanks for tuning in. I'm excited about the new things in the new year. We, uh, once again, are kicking off a women's podcast called Daughters of Truth. A men's podcast called Warriors of Truth. And we'll be working to put out one episode a month of each. Uh, so you'll get two extra episodes a month. Um, from the truth response it'll be in the same chain as as the regular podcast so look out for it and we will catch y'all next time god bless hey thanks for joining us make sure to subscribe and give us a like on itunes and spotify so that you will never miss a show and while you're at it Check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and make sure you tell your friends about this show. You don't want them to miss out on the truth because we are all about the truth here. Thanks for joining us this week and God bless.